Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. It was that same yearning for freedom that nearly 250 years ago gave birth to a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves, that they could chart their own destiny, and that together they could light up the entire world. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We're happy to have our Priests for Life audience, our Right Side Broadcasting Network audience, our Getter audience, and many others as well joining us from across the country and even around the world. United in our following of Christ and our love for America. Welcome. We want to pray for you, too. So in the comments, let us know where you're from. Let us know that you're watching. Let us know what your prayer intentions are so that we can lift up America and all of us as well. I want to begin with a scripture. I want to say a little bit of a word about uh, some extreme comments made uh, by the uh, Brandon administration. And I want to uh, introduce you to a special guest, none other than Dinesh D'Souza, who's going to have some thoughts for uh, us to uh, consider about the Supreme Court. Uh, but first, I want to start with Scripture, first book of Kings, uh, in verse 17, uh, chapter 17. We read about the prophet Elijah, and I want to read uh, uh, the, the, the passage here where he raises the son of the, the widow of Zarephath. He had gone to this widow at the instruction of the Lord, you remember, and the, 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 the oil and the, the bread, uh, the flour did not run out this miracle of sustenance. But then after that, the following uh, passage is found, starting in verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the mistress of the house fell sick, and his sickness grew more severe until he stopped breathing. So she said to Elijah, Why have you done this to me, O man of God? Have you come to me to call attention to my guilt and kill my son? Elijah said to her, Give me your son. Taking him from her lap, he carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. He called out to the Lord, O Lord my God, will you afflict even the widow with whom I am staying by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out upon the child three times and called out, called out to the Lord, Lord my God, let the life breath return to the body of this child. The Lord heard the prayer of Elijah. The life breath returned to the child's body, and he revived. Taking the child, Elijah brought him down into the house from the upper room and gave him to his mother. See, Elijah said to her, your son is alive. Now indeed I know you are a man of God, the woman replied to Elijah. The word of the Lord truly comes from your mouth. 
Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of life and for the gift of restoring life as your prophet Elijah did, as our Lord Jesus Christ does. Life, life from the dead. Life, even when there is no human hope. Life that survives even the grave. Thank you, Lord God. We ask you to breathe new life into America, to breathe new life into this great nation, to keep us firm in defending this country and the values on which it is based. Bless us, Lord, as we work for life, as we work for freedom, and as we rejoice in your kingdom. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, I wear this hat for a reason. The Brandon administration recently said that the MAGA movement is the most extreme organization in the political history of America. How can he say something like that? This is a movement that stands for freedom. This is a movement that stands for the Constitution. This is a movement that stands for law enforcement, law and order, secure borders, putting America first before the needs of other nations. Does this sound like the most extreme movement in America? This is a movement that believes that every child is sacred and has a right to life that comes from God and that we can't take away the life of that child. This is a movement that believes that parents should have the right to educate their children as their primary educators, send them to the schools of their choice and not feel that they are bound to sending them to failing government schools. Does this sound extreme to you? On the other hand, the movement of the left which the Brandon administration seems to support, is one that believes in open borders. It believes in having no border at all. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country, but they just throw wide open the borders. Want bureaucrats to educate your children instead of you. Want to put America last and teach people that America is racist and inherently evil, want to defund the police and allow criminals to roam free, catch and release, and want to have the ability to abort babies even in the seventh, eighth, and ninth month of pregnancy. That's what's extreme. And they have the audacity to say, that the most extreme political organization in American history is the MAGA movement. MAGA, as we were reflecting yesterday, means going deep into the principles on which America is founded. We go down deep. It's not a matter of going backwards. It's a matter of going deeper so that we can go forward stronger. That's what this is. And this is something that resonates with people, resonates with patriots when it is articulated. A lot of times people believe in these things and they don't quite articulate them. 
But the more we talk about it, the more we hear from people like President Trump articulating it, the more convinced we are of the beauty of this movement, the power of this movement. It truly has transformed American politics. And that's why we are delighted to be part of it together with you. Well, friends, on another front, we have the U.S. Supreme Court about to push back some of that extremism that the left has been imposing on us for so many years. And that is in the area of abortion. We have had a policy that allows it throughout all nine months of pregnancy, but now it looks like the Supreme Court is about to change that with a reversal of Roe versus Wade. This is a goal that so many of us uh, have worked for uh, constantly and prayed for and sacrificed for for 50 years. And the Dobbs case, this is the case that has come out of Mississippi. We've talked about it a lot on this program, is the case that it seems is going to do this. And recently I uh, chatted with, uh, with Dinesh D'Souza, who uh, is... Many of you know him. Uh, he's known not only as a uh, scholar, a, a public intellectual, an author of best-selling books, but also a maker of award-winning films. And he has just come out with uh, his latest one, and films commenting on the political life of America and revealing things that many people are are just unaware of. Uh, one of my favorites is Death of a Nation. It really, uh, really shows us the origins of the, the uh, philosophy of the Democrat Party. But brothers and sisters, uh, we talked about this Supreme Court case. You know, Dinesh came originally from India. He came at the age of 18 as an exchange student to America, went to Dartmouth College, and uh, as I say, has become uh, an award-winning uh, filmmaker and uh, uh, public uh, scholar. So I sat down with him for a few minutes. Let's hear his thoughts on the current the Supreme Court decision uh, uh, that was uh, a draft of which was leaked in an unprecedented breach of Supreme Court confidentiality. Uh, but we talked about the significance of what that decision means for the greatness of America. Let's listen. Friends, once again today, we are delighted to welcome our friend Dinesh D'Souza to the program. And uh, uh, we're going to talk about, of course, something that the pro-life movement has been focused on uh, intensely during these days, and that is the Supreme Court and the Dobbs case. And the surprise that we had uh, last week when uh, a draft opinion of this decision was leaked uh, authored by Samuel Justice uh, Justice Samuel Alito, confirmed to be authentic. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, welcome again to the program. What are your thoughts about this latest development in the Dobbs case? Well, to be honest, Father Pavone, I you know it's difficult for me to focus on the leak. I mean, the leak is interesting. Who leaked it? There's a lot of, of course, speculation about is it someone on the conservative side? Obviously, it seems more logical it's someone, one of the left-wing justices or their clerks that leaked it. But none of that, all of that pales in significance to the just immense excitement and relief and um, and just joy, I feel, uh, at the idea that this law that was um, um, ordained by the Supreme Court and, in a sense, injected into the Constitution because it's not in the Constitution for 50 years is now about to be overturned. Quite honestly, I think the leak, whatever its motive, is not going to have that effect because the Supreme Court, in a sense, can't 
back down now. Um, they have to go for it. And that means that Roe v. Wade is going down. I mean, what a vindication for all the tireless people in the pro-life movement who have fought for this over the decades. I did not think I would see it. Uh, I'm perhaps not in my lifetime. I thought maybe the court will chip away the way they kind of chipped away at segregation. But this is our Brown versus Board of Education. This is our, our landmark decision that will go down in history. And I think the pro-life movement needs to feel energized by it. And not to become complacent because the abortion battle isn't ended, it's relocated. It's now dispersed to the states and there's going to be a fight in the states. But this is a huge victory. Uh, I'm just thrilled that it's come about. Looks like, you know, poor Justice, Chief Justice Roberts wanted to kind of split the baby in, in kind of the, uh, the old Solomonic style. Uh, but five justices held firm. You know, thank God for Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, thank God for, um, uh, for Kavanaugh. And quite honestly, thank God for Donald J. Trump. I was just going to say that, you know, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now with this Dobbs case were it not for President Trump. And you see the hand of providence. I mean, you know, nobody knew that Ruth Bader Ginsburg would die when she did. And he just at the last moment, he was able to get that third justice in. And my goodness, I, I you expressed exactly how I feel. It's the content of the of that opinion that dwarfs everything else. I mean, this is and how totally. I'd like you to comment on this, too. It so totally decimates Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. I mean, it doesn't leave a scrap of those decisions on the judicial landscape anymore because the opinion does such a good job in showing how untethered from both the Constitution and from the history of the country those decisions are this idea that there's a constitutional right to abortion. Where does this come from? Of course, the opinion shows it doesn't come from anywhere. Uh, and, and he does focus mostly on the history, doesn't he? I mean, we can decimate Roe based on the science, uh, based on any number of things, but he really focuses on the history. In fact, one third of that that 98 page opinion is is a, is a recitation of the various state laws that protected the unborn at the very time that the 14th Amendment was uh, was being ratified. Talk to us about the, the significance of all of that. Yeah, this is a case where the, the intellectual weight of the argument is entirely on our side. And the proof of that is to listen now to what the left is saying. They actually have not raised any serious objection against uh, Alito's history. They even haven't really um, uh, been able to topple his constitutional reasoning because one of the ingenious kind of moves he made in the decision was that in the draft decision was he cited all these liberal scholars over the last several decades who have all said, you know, I've looked in the Constitution, I've held it close to the light, I've squeezed lemon juice on it, I've read it upside down. There really isn't an abortion right in the Constitution. Uh, the right to privacy in the Constitution is very narrow. It's a right against unreasonable search and seizure. That's the only time that the su subject even comes up. So Alito is merciless in this, and I think he annihilates intellectually the opposition. And therefore, if you listen to people like Biden and others, they're now saying things like, well, maybe as the next step, they'll outlaw interracial marriage. Maybe as the next step, they'll outlaw contraception. So the very fact that they have to go to such absurd conjectures, um, there's nothing about any of that. In fact, Alito is very clear. I am talking about abortion and abortion alone. I'm not addressing gay rights. I'm not addressing any of these other subjects. So don't think that that, that their uh, constitutional anchor is disturbed in any way. Uh, and, and so, but the fact that the left has to go to the sort of reductio ad absurdum, I mean, 
conservative justices will outlaw interracial marriage. I mean, Justice Thomas is in an interracial marriage. What's the probability that he's going to outlaw that? I mean, it's just absurd. But it kind of shows you how they're not able to quarrel with the with the issue itself. Uh, Biden doesn't even like to talk about the right to an abortion. I think there's a little bit of his Catholic conscience still left in him. Um, and so it's all a sign of how far we've come intellectually, uh, politically, morally, and now even in the end, judicially. It's an amazing, amazing decision, amazing opinion, a draft, as we said. Uh, no doubt, uh, you know, the circulation of this draft means that the justices will be able to weigh in, maybe add or change a paragraph or or or, or those who agree can write con concurring opinions as well. Be interesting to see some of the the additional arguments that they um, uh, that they come up with. But I want to go back. It's very important as a final point. Uh, to to what you said at the beginning, because I concur with this as well. There's no backing down now, is there? I mean, the these you know, it's interesting how f from the from the oral arguments in this Dobbs case on into the present, including comments from Biden, uh, we see this. Uh, oh, we can't let we can't let the public think that the court is political. Well, when does that happen that the court is seen as political? It seems that that happens when you create a right out of thin air that has nothing to do with the Constitution. So this is actually the court going in the opposite direction of that, it seems to me, and saying, no, 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 we can't be political. We have to be rooted in the Constitution, its structure, its history, and that's why we're reversing these decisions. Absolutely. Far from subverting the democratic process, what the court is doing is, number one, exercising its true ju judicial function, and two, taking this moral issue and returning it to the people. So essentially what the court is saying, and, and you know, there are people who say, well, this is going to be horrible for the Republican Party because wait till, wait till they face the political wrath of the American people. Look, the simple truth of it is that very conservative states like Oklahoma are going to have very conservative laws, which reflect the will of Oklahomans. Moderate states are going to have moderate laws. In Missouri, you'll probably have some restrictions on abortion, but not as much as in Oklahoma. So once again, Missouri's laws will reflect the views of the people in Missouri. And then in liberal states like New York and California, you'll have very liberal abortion laws. So where's the political backlash? Every state is, in a sense, mirroring the moral, the moral sense of its own people. This is the way it ought to be. And finally, this is the way it will be. This is fantastic. What a moment we're living through. You know, as you said, we, we, we've been working on this for decades and we all said, you know, we know someday, someday this is going to fall. We don't know when. And lo and behold, the when has arrived. It's good to be living through this moment with people like you, Dinesh. And uh, God bless you for all that you've done. Thanks for being with us today. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Me too. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, I'm very grateful to Dinesh D'Souza and uh, look him up, friends, and follow his work and look at his films and, and learn from him because he has a lot to uh, teach us uh, uh, as we move forward working for the greatness of America. I wanted to bring to your attention something else. Now, you may have heard this story. We know that we have been fighting for religious freedom, you know, and especially during the pandemic, we saw uh, churches uh, shut down uh, all across the country and sometimes sometimes unjustly. And we have friends out in California with the Pacific Justice Institute. They work hard. Brad Dacus heads up that organization. And they work hard to pr preserve 
our freedom of religion and all our freedoms, really, in, uh, in American life. So in California, uh, it was one of the most uh, uh, regressive states when it came to COVID restrictions, coming down especially hard on churches, closing churches, while bars, sports bars, and and super stores were kept open, uh, but 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 places of worship were under stricter restrictions. So uh, there was a suit launched by Pacific Justice Institute, particularly in the county of Santa Clara, to allow the churches to reopen on the same basis as these other entities, liquor stores and pot shops and department stores. And they won. The good news is that they won. Brad Dacus said, governors cannot treat churches differently than other essential entities and organizations. If they're going to allow a hardware store or a marijuana dispensary or a liquor store to open up, they better allow a church to open up. So there was a ruling obtained uh, through the work of Pacific Justice uh, on behalf of five churches in Santa Clara County, they actually reached a six-figure settlement and obtained a ruling allowing the churches to exercise their biblical mandate of meeting together. This, Brad goes on to say, hopefully will send a signal loud and clear to governments across America. When they decide to shut churches down, there may be a price that they have to pay. So this was a good news story that I wanted to share with you. And uh, uh, again, to, to encourage us, continue fighting for the freedom uh, of the church. And you know, the best way to exercise our, our, uh, our freedom uh, is uh, our rights. The best way to defend them is to exercise them without fear. Uh, the best way to to defend them, whether it's freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, protest, the best way of defending these rights is to exercise them regularly and courageously. Uh, that is the way that we move forward in defending them and in showing our fellow citizens that they should not be afraid to exercise them too. Let's turn back to prayer now. I want to Gather uh, your intentions, brothers and sisters. Continue leaving them in the comments. But uh, there are many intentions. Uh, and let's just invoke together the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. Uh, and that he would send the Holy Spirit on those who, who ask for that greatest gift. And so, Lord, we pray now for our brothers and sisters that are watching this broadcast Pray. Uh, uh, we pray for especially now, first of all, those who have health needs, those who have uh, are facing surgeries, those who are facing uh, diseases, uh, Lord, some of them terminal diseases, those that are concerned for the health of loved ones or for their own health. Send the Holy Spirit uh, of life and of healing upon them right this moment, right now, Lord. Lift them up to your care. Bless all the sick whether sickness is severe or, or more mild or whatever it may be, give us health. Give us health of mind as well as of body. Bless those, Lord, who deal with anxiety. Bless those, Lord, who are uh, uh, struggling with various forms of mental uh, illness. Lord, bless them. Protect them. Protect their loved ones. 
Lord, we pray furthermore for the Holy Spirit of wisdom in decisions that need to be made. We know that so many of us uh, need to make decisions. We may need to make life choices, career choices, relationship choices, business decisions, pastoral decisions. Send the Holy Spirit of wisdom, Lord, because big decisions in life can be times of great anxiety and confusion, great fear, fear of doing the wrong thing or of missing a great opportunity. Send the Holy Spirit of enlightenment and counsel to help us make those decisions. Bless us, Lord, as voters make the decision of whom to vote for in these primary elections. Lord, this is so critical. This is so important. As now, week by week, more states have their primaries. Lord, raise up the voters to vote for the right people. Bring into public office the kind of people we need. Lord, we pray uh, furthermore for all the prayer intentions that are being expressed here in the comments. Prayers, Lord God, for financial assistance. Lord, difficulties that are, that are being faced financially. Help your people. Help your people to find and to obtain the resources that they and their families need. Lord, we pray for families who are suffering because someone has strayed from the practice of the faith, from the practice of the Christian gospel, maybe even from belief in God. Bring them back. And Lord, bless those who are grieving the loss of a, of a loved one. Bring them consolation. For those, Lord, seeking to have a child, but battling against infertility, give them the gift of new life. For those grieving over a past abortion, give them repentance and healing. In short, we offer up all the prayers that are being expressed and all those that remain in our hearts, and we sum them up in the very words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, thanks, friends, for praying with me, for praying for America, for watching tonight. I hope these reflections have been encouraging to you. Spread the word about our program, and we'll continue walking through this period in our history when we are part of the greatest political movement in American history, the movement to make America great again. Let's stick together. Follow me on social media at FR Frank Pavone on all the major platforms at FR Frank Pavone and follow Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. We'll stay connected and we'll stay encouraged. And we will talk with you again tomorrow. I think we have Richard Lee, we have Jim Garlow, and we have Father Frank Pavone. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.